Hi, this is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. I just want to welcome you to this Bible study. Now, what I want to cover leading up to Easter or Passover, I want to make a distinction between the two. Easter and Passover are completely two different things. What we define Easter is not Passover. And what Passover is definitely not Easter. It is completely two different things. And discovering this is, for me, I really felt like I was doing something wrong only because I believed people around me and the traditions of American Christianity that Easter was something that we celebrated as an equivalent to this great day uh, of Jesus' resurrection, when in fact, it is a holiday that has nothing to do with Jesus. I mean, I work where I work. I work in retail. And I don't see Jesus anywhere. Anywhere. Unless you work in a Bible bookstore, that's different. But if you don't, you're really going to see this very cheap and secular rendition of what an American holiday looks like. And nobody says anything. It perpetually goes forward every single year, and it just seems to be getting further away. And it just seems to be getting further away from the Bible, further away from the purpose of the celebration at all. And it's like in the, the last podcast that I published, that I read to you how Christianity was politicized and how it was separated from the Jews. Now, this is one thing that I want to be able to differentiate as well. There were a couple of different kind of Jews in the time of Christ, in the time of the apostles, in the book of Acts. There were Jews that were prejudiced against other Jews because they were half Sumerian. And then there were Jews that were devout and they they were seeking justice and walking humbly before their God. John the Baptist's family, namely, and others, but those, those are the first that come to mind. And then you have the ones that are hardworking, like the fishermen. They were out there working and working. They probably had time on the Sabbath, the Shabbat, to go and listen. And just like anybody else, you know, on the weekends, they would go to church and, you know, because that's the custom and that's something that God wanted from them. And then you have the ones that are completely devout, that their families in generation after generation after generation have been a certain devout Jew that pretty much developed a following and were the leaders and the authority of the Jewish direction of, of the land. And specifically being in Jerusalem, everything kind of emanated from that. Now, in Jesus' time, 
the Sanhedrin was comprised of primarily aristocratic Jews who had money, generational wealth. The scriptures are very clear that elders will be chosen from amongst you and that this would be like a council. So an elder doesn't necessarily mean an old person. An elder means somebody who has a, a good standing within the community of the people who have shown wisdom, has shown knowledge, and has shown justice. Those are the ones that would make up this council in Moses' time. Moses' wife, her father, suggested to Moses that you make a council like this. Moses brought that before the Lord. The Lord said, okay, that sounds good. And then that's what Moses did. And that's how they were able to manage the people, the children of Israel. But in Jesus' time, the Sanhedrin was comprised of a completely different type of leadership. It was an aristocratic leadership that looked down at the people and then really misused what God has given to lord over the people in a completely different way. Having political ties with the Romans and then this issue with the Hellenization of uh, of Judaism and then they had to break free from that. There was a lot of different reasons why they everything the way it is what it was. And then the other kind of Jew was were the ones that were I have to see to believe. And Jesus showed them. He showed them miracle after miracle. And a lot of Jesus' following was in Galilee. He did most of the miracles in Galilee. And even before that was over, a lot of them didn't turn to God. A lot of them, a lot of them didn't believe. And then Jesus just, I mean, you have to read it for yourself. Jesus basically said, you know, this is, It'd be better for you. It'd be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than for you to not believe. If Sodom and Gomorrah had heard what you heard, they would have believed. And so Jesus made a very sharp statement there. So there's we encountered different kinds of Jews throughout the New Testament. Now, I may not have been able to cover all of the different types of Jews that we encounter in the New Testament, but definitely I want to cover that there are. And to broad brush all Jews the same way as Constantine did, as in the last podcast, is absurd. But really what Constantine said is uneducated and stupidity. Now the Jews that crucified Christ were isolated people that did not know him. They did not see what other Jews seen. Did not see the other Jews. What they believed, the ones that were in Galilee in the, in uh, in that region, a lot of them came, and to believe, the ones in Jerusalem did not see what they seen, and so what they did see, they did see. They heard all of the reports, of course, but they wanted to see for themselves. But Jesus knew their hearts. He knew exactly what he was going into. He was going to a lion's den. And to convince them 
they would have to see certain things and they would ask certain things and they would, everything that they had heard, it, it all preceded him. And when Jesus finally went into Jerusalem, he knew that this was going to happen. He told the, the disciples of, a, of like a pre-passion what would happen to him. They kind of understood, they were concerned, but they really didn't understand. But they finally got it, as we read, continue to read through the entire four Gospels. Now, the Jews that I have named, the last and final one I want to point out are the ones that believed, the ones that were comprised of the first century church, the main foundation. Why is because Jesus came to the Jew first? Why is because they understood the Tanakh? Why is because Jesus quoted from the Tanakh? Why is because they knew all the references? They knew everything that he said. When Jesus spoke, he spoke of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and they said, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. They put two and two together and they made a conclusion. They made a very spiritual, faithful, logical, reasonable conclusion that Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is the Moshiach. And they believed. Now, those Jews are not responsible for Jesus' death, as Constantine tried to say. So what I want to do is I want to go through the different, I just want to give you references for the different aspects of, of Leviticus chapter 23. Now, this is very important for you to know. Why? Is because you will see after I define them, not in this podcast, but the next podcast, I will define them from a Christian perspective. It's very important that we know this. Every Christian should know this. There's a reason why I'm making these podcasts. Okay, Leviticus chapter 23. Now, I suggest you read the whole chapter. There's going to be a part Um, The last two points I'm going to make are from uh, Leviticus chapter 24. But read the whole thing. This this whole thing I'm about to read right now is coming from the whole chapter of Leviticus chapter 23. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feasts of the Lord which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. Okay, the application. Recognizing that God instituted these holy feasts to be recognized as holy feasts and to be done corporately as the children of Israel for generations forever as follows. Shabbat. Shabbat or Sabbath. So the application is you will work six days and rest on the seventh. That sounds familiar. The Lord created the we created everything, the whole creation, in six days and rested on seven. That's not hard to figure out. The next point. Pesach. Pesach. That's spelled P-E-C... Oh, I'm sorry. P-E-S-A-C-H. Pesach. Or Passover. Application. The retelling of the Exodus from Egypt and commemorating it according to the Hebrew calendar. You can find that in Exodus chapter 12, verses 2 to 37. Read the whole chapter. Hag Shemach. Hag Shemach. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. C-H-A-G-S-A-M-E-A-C-H. 
or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Application One day following the Passover, for seven days you are to eat bread without yeast. Flatbread Purge all yeast from your home. Yom Habik Korim Yom Habik Korim That's spelled Y-O-M-H-A-B-I-K-U-R-I-M or the Feast of First Fruits. Application Leviticus chapter 23 verses 9 through 14 First of the harvest a sheaf or a bundle of grain for a wave offering. A blemishless male yearling lamb as a burnt sacrifice. A grain offering, fine flour mixed with oil, baked. A drink offering made of wine and a hen, or basically a gallon and a half of wine. The next point, Shavuot. Shavuot, or basically Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks. Now, with Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot is basically seven weeks. Now, seven weeks adds up to 49, but it's 50 days that it took the children of Israel from the Exodus to Mount Sinai to receive the law. The commemoration of receiving the law is on Pentecost. So they celebrate the Feast of Weeks while or during the time of Pentecost. The next point, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Or the head of the year, which is the Jewish New Year, or the Feast of Trumpets. The first day of the seventh month you will blow trumpets, or a shofar, a ram's horn, as a memorial. Next point, Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. A day to forgive others and to ask God for forgiveness while fasting. Now there's a lot more to this, but the explanation will I'll do in the next podcast. Next point. Sukkot. Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. For a week you will live in a hut or a booth to commemorate that the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Basically, you, before the day of the Feast of Tabernacles, what you're going over that week, what you're going to do is you're going to build before that day a hut outside and you build it specifically the way, the, the way God wants you to build it. And that you're basically living under the stars. That's pretty much what the children of Israel were doing when they're out in the wilderness. Now, the last two here are in Leviticus chapter 24. Uh, These are two things that God also wants them to do perpetually um, that he told them to do um, for uh, for specific reasons here. the, The last two are the care of the tabernacle, lamps, and the bread of the tabernacle. The care of the tabernacle, God commanded Moses to have the children of Israel to bring pure olive oil to the tabernacle for the lamps 
to burn continuously. So the in the tabernacle, there, there are these lamps that they made specifically for this reason, for the tabernacle, and that the children of Israel were given the task to continually bring in fresh olives. Well, what does that actually mean? That means that they had the land, the, the 11 tribes of Israel had the land, except for the Levites, they had the tabernacle. That was their, that was what they did. And then all the other 11 tribes would con- contribute to the tribe of Levi, which is the Levitical priesthood, which is Aaron. Now, since they had the land, they would grow olive trees, obviously, and that they would harvest these olives and that they would press them, the fresh oil, the oil, pure oil, and bring it to the tabernacle so that the they would use that oil, the olive oil, as a, like lamp oil. And so they would use that as fuel to continually have a flame burning in the tabernacle. And then the bread of the tabernacle, the children of Israel were also commanded to give bread made specifically in, in how the, they were instructed to make the bread, how many pieces of bread, and then they would give that to the priests of the tabernacle as an offering every single Shabbat or Sabbath, or to us would be every Sunday, but that's to be debated. Now, now concerning the, the bread of tabernacles, this was a corporate upkeep on both parties. You have the people and then you have the priests. They would work together to maintain the tabernacle of the Lord. So this is something that we still see today to some degree, not as the Jews, as we read it here. Usually it's the people of the church, specifically in Christianity. They pretty much take care of it. You don't see a lot of people coming out and helping with anything anymore. Things, a lot of things have changed and not for the better. So that's neither here nor there. It's just me. Now, the whole point of me even bringing this out is so that you can see that when somebody makes a broad brush statement or anybody in history that makes a broad brush statement that what does Christianity have to do? Trying to separate Christianity and Judaism, like I said, it is impossible. You cannot do that. If you do, you are creating a completely different religion, the one that is not from the Bible. What I just read to you in Leviticus chapter 23 and going through all of these different things that God has given the children of Israel to do weren't for no reason at all. They they have high significance. They have very high reference points when it comes to the New Testament and how we view the New Testament. But like I said, For those who have attended seminary, and I can't even really speak for all of them, because after they come out of seminary, you don't hear anything like this. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that even somebody who has learned should know these things. And for the ones who can't afford to go to seminary, or who can't afford to have some kind of formal teaching or formal discipling to learn how to read scripture and rightly divide the word of truth, this is something that we all should know. At least read the the Bible, read the Old, the Old Testament, read the Tanakh. It is very important that we do this. We'll have no idea what Jesus is talking about, and I am I'm thoroughly convinced that most Christians don't know what Jesus is talking about. 
what would what if you really think about it in a nutshell what do we really understand what we understand is what we read but for some reason what we read does not reflect today's church today's church is the culture that has been created that what we do understand we don't need a lot to do god's work we don't need a lot of things material things we do need some because the in the first church they needed some things what they needed the most are hearts ready and willing to do what Jesus asks them to do. That's what we need mostly. And the things that Jesus asks us to do becomes distasteful when we actually have to do it. Normally, we watch other people do it. The people who actually answer the call are a very, very unique bunch of people but they were the majority of people in the book of Acts. I've always said this. We need to return back to basics. We need to return back to the what the Word of God says. Now, continuing. Separating Christianity from Judaism is something that we need to try to reconnect as Christians. It's our duty to do this, and I'll tell you why. Number one, Jesus used the Tanakh, the Old Testament to preach his message. Number two, he preached to the Jew first. Number three, when the Jews were comprised of the primarily first church, they eventually started to evangelize to the Gentiles. The Gentiles started to grow in numbers. The Jews that did not accept Christ, obviously, rejected those other Jews and started to persecute them, started to murder them, started to bring them back as prisoners. You see, so the point I'm trying to make is, is that you could see the progression of the first church. It did not change. God never asked them after Jesus came to stop practicing these feasts that I read to you in Leviticus chapter 23. If you read Leviticus chapter 23 and chapter 24, you say, you will see and you will read for your own, with your own eyes, that is, it's a perpetual, everlasting convocation, which basically means that you are to gather and do this forever. You are, you are to continually do this forever. And, and I'm not going to get into what that actually means until the next podcast, because I want you to tune into the next podcast. But this is very important for us to know. Now, concerning Easter, the day that it actually is celebrated on was was decided by Constantine. Who is he? He's nobody. He's dead and gone. But he he set a precedence for anti-Semitism, and he set the precedence for changing Christianity from exactly what it actually was supposed to be just by a slight margin, by changing Easter from Passover. That's a very slight movement, but for some reason it really offset a lot of different things, and it really separated the Jewish roots from Christianity. Not good. Is the reason why we don't understand what we understand. We are not two separate people. We are we are the ones that become God's people, and God's people God chose. Now, 
is there gender? Is there ethnicity? Is there how God chooses people? No, now it's actually through Jesus Christ. It always has been. The Messiah was Jesus Christ to the Jews, but they just didn't know who he was. Now Messiah is Jesus Christ to us, but we now reject Judaism, which just makes no sense. This is Pastor Frank of Frank's Bible Study. Amen.